Welcome back to the Dirt Show. The other day, I talked a lot about why uh, lawyers uh, won't defend President Trump because they don't want to be Dershowitz. They don't want to be treated the way my family and I have been treated. I got a lot, a lot of a lot of letters about that. But uh, tragically, yesterday, uh, one of America's great lawyers, uh, a lawyer who was fearless and would represent anyone, um, died at the young age of seventy-six. That was my friend Ken Starr. Uh, I work closely with Ken Starr on the defense of Trump against the first impeachment. I also work very, very hard against uh, Ken Starr when um, he was the special counsel, uh, special prosecutor, um, prosecuting President Clinton, trying to get him impeached uh, on on the ground of his affair with Monica Lewinsky and his alleged uh, perjury. I was part of the defense. I consulted and advised with the defense uh, on that. Um, make no mistake about it. Uh, Ken didn't prosecute Clinton and then defend Trump because he's a Republican. He is a Republican and he was appointed to the various positions that he had by Republicans. Um, but he was a man of great, great principle. <clears throat> he did it because he thought thought the law justified the impeachment of Clinton. I disagreed. And uh, we argued about it. We argued about it in public. Um, I wrote a book about it called Sexual McCarthyism. I wrote a preface to the Star Report, which I was very critical of the Star Report. And uh, I think he was wrong, but I think he believed it. And I think he was completely uh, principled in his decision to leave the bench. I mean, here was a man who uh, was on the bench. He was the uh, very important judge in the United States Court of Appeals, which is a segue to the Supreme Court. Justice Scalia came from the, the D.C. Circuit, and uh, uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg came from the D.C. Circuit, and Justice Kavanaugh came from the D.C. Circuit. And there was every expectation that Ken Starr would live his life dream um, on the Supreme Court, where he would have been a conservative, but very honest, honest judge. But by taking on the Clinton assignment, which he did because he was a patriot, he ruined his chances of going on the Supreme Court. Um, he would not have been confirmed, certainly not by a Democratic Senate, but uh, very likely uh, there'd be a tremendous confirmation battle uh, because he had the courage to do what he believed was right, uh, and that is to prosecute Bill Clinton. Um, Bill Clinton did commit, uh, at least according to the House of Representatives, uh, a crime, the crime of perjury. But uh, in my view, in the view of others, it was not a high crime. Uh, it was perjury about an affair. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Alexander Hamilton, um, who was essentially denied the presidency because he was extorted uh, after uh, being set up and having an affair with a woman named Reynolds. Um, he then had to write a pamphlet explaining, admitting his affair um, and uh, denying, however, that the money he paid from his personal funds to Reynolds' husband uh, as a result of extortion was not government money. He didn't commit a high crime. It would have been a high crime of taking money from the Treasury to pay for a private affair. No, he paid from his own money, probably his wife's uh, money, of course, as with so many of our founding fathers, his, his wife was extraordinarily um, 
wealthy and, and, and well-established, the Schuyler family. Um, I recently went to a wedding where a cousin of mine married uh, a, a woman whose name is Schuyler Hamilton, uh, then her last name, um, because she is a descendant of that, of that, uh, of that family. Um, and uh, I'm a big admirer of, of, of Hamilton. I think he was the most brilliant of the founding fathers and the most stupid of the founding fathers. Uh, he was uh, brilliant. His conceptions of the Federalist paper are absolutely brilliant. And his having an affair, uh, writing a pamphlet um, was, was stupid. And uh, having a duel was stupid. So, you know, you can be brilliant and stupid at the same time. <laughs> Not the only person I know that fits that description, but he was so brilliant and so stupid that one really has to has to wonder. Um, I own a letter from um, John Adams to somebody uh, in which he basically says, uh, how do you explain uh, Hamilton's stupidity? He's so smart, his gullibility, he's so insightful. Uh, Adams just was perplexed. Uh, um, because Hamilton probably would have been, you know, Washington was the first president, uh, a federalist, uh, although not not really a member of a party. Adams, the second president, and the third president very likely would have been Hamilton, not Jefferson. Uh, of course, Hamilton made Jefferson president by casting the votes of the federalists against Aaron Burr and in favor of Jefferson. But I digress. So let's get back to the, the theme of, of today's show. Um, great lawyer. Uh, great lawyer Ken Ken Starr, um, a man for all seasons. I mean, he just did everything. Uh, he was a Solicitor General of the United States, which is the man who argues the cases in front of the Supreme Court, the highest-ranking, essentially barrister in the country, arguing cases in front of the Supreme Court. He then served with great distinction as a judge of the Tenth Circuit. Uh, sorry, of the D.C. Circuit, um, where he served with. Uh, future justices of the Supreme Court. And then, as I mentioned, he left that lifetime position, a lifetime position which probably would have uh, resulted in him having another lifetime position on the United States Supreme Court in order to perform what he knew would be a controversial but important patriotic uh, uh, duty. I don't agree with him, um, but he believed it and he was principled. And then uh, he became the dean of the Pepperdine Law School and really elevated the status of that law school. He and I debated at Pepperdine um, over originalism versus kind of the living constitution and, and other issues, dividing liberals from conservatives. And um, uh, Ken Starr was an amazing, amazing debate uh, partner. Uh, and uh, uh, he disagreed with everything I said, but he was never disagreeable. He, he took pains to take the arguments that I made and take them seriously and try to rebut them. And, and after that debate, we both said to each other, you know, you persuaded me of, of some things that I thought I thought differently about. But uh, but Ken was uh, an amazingly persuasive and effective uh, a, a lawyer. So he became the um, the dean of the Pepperdine Law School. And then he became the president of Baylor College. And you may remember there, too, he was enmeshed in controversy. He didn't do anything wrong. But there were some allegations about sexual misconduct by football players. And football is a big deal at Baylor. So is Christianity. I mean, it's a very Christian school and a very football-oriented school. 
and um, the the Christian um, uh, board of the school thought that he uh, had not been consistent with their principles by not being aggressive enough uh, in dealing with the allegations of sexual uh, misconduct. And so he resigned from the presidency of, of Baylor University and then went to work for one of the great law firms in America. I worked with him um, on, on some cases. One of the cases I worked with him on was the Jeffrey Epstein case. Um, he had no fear about representing uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, nor did I. Uh, we worked with very distinguished uh, lawyers. Uh, that's the job of lawyers. Uh, you defend the most unpopular, most controversial, most hated, and, and sometimes most guilty defendants. That's what John Adams did. Uh, that's what James St. Clair did with Richard Nixon. That's what so many other great lawyers have done. And Ken Starr uh, joined that, uh, that uh, group of uh, great lawyers by defending um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And both of us have been criticized for getting too good a deal for Epstein. I plead guilty. Uh, getting a good deal for a client is my job. Uh, getting a bad deal for my client is the prosecutor's job, maybe the judge's job. But, but surely uh, the job of a defense attorney is to get the best deal you possibly can by all ethical and reasonable and legal means. And, and, and we did that. The result of that, of course, is that I got accused of uh, doing uh, improper things with a woman who I never met in my life. I got accused of going to Epstein's Island and Ranch and all of those things, none of which is true during the relevant period of time, the time that the woman knew. Jeffrey Epstein, I was never in um, any of those places. And, um, I, I can prove it by my travel records. Uh, th that's, again, another aside. He wasn't accused of anything, um, but he was accused. And even in the New York Times obituary, uh, they singled out the fact that he was criticized for representing Jeffrey Epstein. What kind of a country are we where lawyers are criticized for the clients they represent? That was McCarthyism. Lawyers were criticized for... Uh, representing uh, uh, communists or accused communists. Now lawyers are, uh, are condemned and attacked for representing Donald Trump. And so he did that too. Um, he was part of the defense team that argued in front of the Senate that the um, impeachment by the House of Representatives was uh, unconstitutional. And it was unconstitutional. Whether you're uh, somebody who is an originalist or a literalist or somebody who believes in the uh, creative or living constitution, there's no justification whatever for impeaching a president for so-called abuse of power or uh, obstruction of, of Congress. The literal words of the constitution are clear. Uh, the only grounds for impeachment are uh, treason. He didn't commit treason. He wasn't accused of it. Bribery, he wasn't accused of it or other, underline other, other, other high crimes and misdemeanors, other high crimes and misdemeanors obviously means criminal conduct, criminal type conduct, akin to treason and bribery. There's no other plausible semantic interpretation of those words. Um, the words uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, by the way, it's not high crimes or misdemeanors, it's high crimes and misdemeanors, it has to be both. Uh, and, and, um, he just wasn't accused of any high crimes and, and misdemeanors. Uh, an absurd uh, uh, argument made by a, a Harvard professor is that, oh, abuse uh, and, and abuse of power is a crime. Right. Show it to me. Uh, 
the man who made that argument is ignorant of the criminal law. It isn't a crime. And it were a crime, it would be unconstitutional. You can't make it a crime to abuse power. What does that mean? 41 of our presidents, uh, as I argued in front of the Senate, 41 of our presidents have been accused of abusing their power and many of them of obstructing uh, Congress. We live in a system of checks and balances. Part of the job of each branch is to not obstruct, but make it a little bit more difficult for the others to bring about tyranny. So um, checks and balances, separation of powers, uh, and the Constitution doesn't permit uh, impeachment uh, on grounds of abuse of power. Well, what about living Constitution? Those argue that we're not strict constructionists. We're not uh, literalists. Uh, we're not originalists. We believe in the living constitution. Well, the living constitution has never been used to contract power. It's always been used to uh, rights. It's always been used to expand rights. This would be the first time that rights in the constitution, the president's right not to be impeached unless he commits treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors, is constrained, contracted, uh, eliminated, essentially, in the interest of a living constitution. It's never before has that kind of argument been, been made, and it's, it's an absurd argument. Yes, 500 law professors condemn me for saying that the constitution means what it says, 500 of them, and virtually every one of them would have said the opposite if the person being impeached for abuse of power were a Democratic president, Hillary Clinton or Democratic President uh, Joe Biden. Uh, hypocrisy reigns in the academy. Partisanship reigns in the academy. How many members of the academy could pass the show on the other foot test? Not very many, Not certainly not many of those who signed onto that letter. But uh, you know, the letter didn't deter um, Ken Starr, and it didn't deter uh, me, and it didn't deter um, any other uh, good lawyers. Uh, Ken Starr, there's one Yiddish word that just describes him better than any other. He was a mensch, a real mensch, uh, <clears throat> a, a dedicated, honorable. He was very religious, uh, very dedicated uh, uh, Christian. Um, his wife had been born uh, Jewish, actually, but converted and became Christian. And they lived a very Christian life. And their uh, their whole families were Christian. And those were very important parts of their of their values, but uh, Ken didn't let his Christianity or his Republicanism really interfere with who he represented and, and what legal positions he took. He took his legal positions because he thought they were the best that the law demanded of him. And Ken and I came from entirely different backgrounds. I think he was born in a relatively small town in, in Texas. Um, I was born in Brooklyn. Um, he was polite. I'm not. Um, uh, he's conservative. I'm liberal. Um, he's Christian. I'm Jewish. Um, we're different in every possible way, except that we both believe in the Sixth Amendment, the right of people to have zealous advocacy and zealous counsel. And we both believe in the shoe and the other foot test. And, and we both believe that uh, the law uh, should be based on neutral principles, um, not uh, what's good for me, what's good for thee. Um, you know, neither of us believe that uh, uh, due process is variable depending on the uh, name of the person. I've said this before, the Christian Bible, of course, includes the Jewish Bible, the Torah, and the Torah 
says low takir panim don't recognize faces don't allow a person's name or face or race or gender to influence your decision who you're going to represent and what arguments you're going to make let everything be judged on on the merits he believed in meritocracy he was a product of uh meritocracy he did not come from a wealthy or privileged uh family i think i think i remember correctly this father was a minister a pastor somebody in his family was but um um privilege uh, yes uh, if you're white in america and protestant you come uh, generally with a a little bit of privilege over somebody who who is of a different race but not always i mean a, a poor white person uh from uh oklahoma is not privileged over a wealthy person of color who went to Exeter and whose parents are hedge fund people. So again, low tech here put in, don't recognize faces or races. Look at individuals. Uh, he was not individually uh, privileged. He didn't go to the most elite uh, schools. Um, I went to the most elite schools, Yale Law School, not college. I went to Brooklyn College, which is the least elite place imaginable because it was free. You, go to college, get a phenomenal education free. My parents didn't go to college. Um, am I privileged? Yeah, I'm white. Um, I couldn't get a job on Wall Street, even though I was white because I was Jewish. Uh, you know, everybody has a degree of privilege. If you're born with brains, you're privileged. If you're born with brawn, you're privileged. If you're a great basketball player, you're privileged. Um, you know, everybody has, not everybody, there are certain people who aren't privileged, who uh, are, are born poor and, and poor, born weak. Um, and those people should clearly be uh, seen as disadvantaged and subject to the need for the government, perhaps to give them a hand, to help them out, to try to level the playing field, but not on the basis of race, not on the basis of gender, not on the basis of religion, not on the basis of any of these variables that uh, uh, would not satisfy Martin Luther King's dream uh, that someday his children will be judged by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin. Uh, Ken believed in that. Um, and uh, Ken was also a loyal, a loyal friend. I mean, he would always be there for you if, if there was a problem. I don't remember him ever not taking a phone call uh, from me, even when he was in the highest positions uh, of authority, uh, Again, you could disagree with him. Uh, you could find his policies wrong, as I did, found many of his policies wrong. Um, maybe it's not the right thing to say that they were wrong, but I very strongly disagreed with them. But I never had an argument uh, with Ken Starr that um, wasn't on the merits and didn't end with us continuing to have tremendous affection for each other while continuing to disagree about the merits of, of arguments. We need more lawyers like Ken Starr in America and fewer lawyers like Lawrence Tribe and uh, like uh, Professor Bowie and others uh, who will change their views uh, based solely on uh, who the person is, what their race is, what their party is. Um, Americans, I think, are getting sick and tired of identity politics and of people being judged by factors other than merit and quality. And um, uh, judged by those standards, Ken was a, a giant. Uh, he was a giant. He'll be 
remembered for a long, long time. He died far too young. Uh, I will miss him. Um, I used to love having conversations with him, uh, sometimes quite lengthy conversations on the phone, by email, in person when I was privileged to be with him in, in person. And I'm, I'm so sorry that he's no longer available to have these uh, conversations, but even more important that he's no longer available to be a symbol of what's great about America. He's not the only symbol of what's great about America. There are symbols of every background, every race, every gender, every uh, religion, uh, every social uh, situation, but he's one of them. Uh, he was an icon and uh, he will and should be remembered uh, for a long time and, and be listed among the icons of the law. So Ken, rest in peace and uh, we'll miss you. Let's turn to some uh, letters, some of which are, are quite relevant to this discussion today. Uh, Dems are engaging in political warfare against any lawyer who gets associated with Trump, doxing them, hate mail, pressure from license boards. You know the drill, and it, it is happening. Um, uh, lawyers are getting subpoenas. Lawyers are getting, I mean, Rudy Giuliani, you could agree or disagree. Uh, I, I disagree with his analysis of the 2000. Um, and in 20 election, I think it was won fair and square by Joe Biden. I think that Pennsylvania acted unconstitutionally, but it wouldn't have affected the outcome of the election. So I disagree with with Rudy Giuliani. But no, you don't take away his bar license without a hearing, without an opportunity even to present oral argument on his behalf. Uh, you know, that's just not right. And they're going after Trump's lawyers. And it's part of the reason why. Uh, Lawyers other than uh, people like Ken Starr, I hope perhaps me, um, have been afraid to, to represent uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, one of the letters, of course, says, why aren't you representing him this time? Well, there are two reasons. Um, here it says, uh, you have already been canceled for representing Trump. I think you are the best candidate to represent him again. It shows the Joe McCarthy types that you have a higher morals and no fair fear. Please don't, don't you think it would be the right thing to do? Well, I have two reasons why I'm not going to represent him. First of all, I have a rule. I don't represent somebody twice. I don't want to ever be so closely associated with the person. Low tech here, put in. Don't do it based on faces. I do it based on principles. And so my general rule is you get me once. Uh, I hope I win. Um, if, you're guilty and you did it again, you're going to have to get another lawyer. O.J. Simpson got another lawyer to represent him the second time. It was the only client I ever had who, after I helped get him acquitted, he was accused of, of something else. You know, it's interesting because I've had almost, what, 300 clients, maybe even more. Never had one who uh, ever committed a serious crime after I helped get them uh, acquitted. Uh, that's the first reason. The second reason is Part of the reason for the investigation has to do with the electoral claims, the election claims and January 6th. And uh, although I do represent people I don't agree with, I don't want to be associated politically with any claim that the election was was wrong. Um, the election was not wrong. Biden won by the popular vote overwhelmingly and significantly by the electoral vote. Um, I don't like uh, machines. Um, I don't trust machines. Um, most of them, however, are backed up by 
paper ballots. Um, I don't like um, uh, absentee voting without uh, real constraints. Um, I'm involved actually in, in some consulting on, on those issues. Uh, I, I much prefer that voting take place uh, at the ballot box where secrecy is assured and where there's no possibility of the vote being influenced because it's a completely secret ballot. And uh, I'm worrying about machines. I don't know enough about them. And I know that in the case that's being brought, there are many cases now involving voting machines and the companies that make them. The companies have refused to produce their their, um, uh, algorithms and and the other uh, information that would help all of us and experts particularly evaluate whether there are any any problems. So our past elections have not been perfect. None of them have been perfect. Not the one that elected Trump and not the one that unelected Trump. But I don't want to be part of any claim that this election was unfair. So um, uh, I hope he gets the best possible lawyers. And if they want to call me and ask me a question or two, I'll be happy to answer. If the prosecution calls me and asks me a question or two, I'll be happy to answer. I've done that all through my career, I've helped prosecutors, I've helped defense attorneys. Um, as a law professor, I felt uh, an obligation to share whatever experience I have with uh, lawyers in general, and I've, I've been doing that for more than half a century. I'm a MAGA conservative, and I disagree with you on almost every policy position. I watch your show because I want to hear the other side, because I respect you. What has happened to you since defending President Trump makes me sick to my stomach? No one deserves that kind of treatment. I don't know how this country can recover from all this division and return to a constitutional republic. I'm not optimistic about it. This is worse than the divisions of the Vietnam War, much worse. Why? Because the protests and the divisions over the Vietnam War were brought about by a very small number of people, um, radicals. Uh, today's uh, wokeness has extended to corporations, to the media. Um, the people who are opposed to basic fairness, liberty, and due process are much more influential today than they were during McCarthyism and during the Vietnam War. So I think we're living now through the most dangerous period of lack of concern for civil liberties by more Americans than ever before. Am I optimistic uh, for the future in my book, The Price of Principle? I say I'm an optimist. You know, in Israel, they say a pessimist is somebody who says, oy vey, things are so bad they can't get worse. And an optimist says, yes, they can. Um, They can get worse, um, but they can also get better. And it depends on whether the pendulum, which has swung very widely over my lifetime, can begin to narrow its spread and become more centrist. I'm a centrist, liberal, libertarian, mostly, mostly Democrat. There are some Democrats, obviously, I couldn't vote for and wouldn't vote for. Uh, here's one. Alan on TikTok would be amazing. No, I wouldn't. I, I need more time than just whatever time they give you. And I also don't know how to work the machines. So I, I don't think I'd be particularly good on, on TikTok. Uh, whenever you see any articles by Dershowitz, you must keep in mind he was not only a frequent flyer on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. Totally, totally false. Uh, when, when one adult uh, uh, female 
claims he sexually abused her. Well, she, you know, she's lying. She's made it up. So if you want guilt by accusation, fine. If you want to read about guilt by accusation, yeah. Look, I have a book on every subject. So I have a book called Guilt by Accusation, and it documents every bit of evidence. It shows the uh, travel records. Uh, there is not a single manifest of any airplane that shows me in any way with anybody in, inappropriate. And uh, so uh, you want to you want to continue to send these uh, emails and be trolls to that issue. Go ahead and do it. But but it, it ain't true. And uh, I think most of you know it isn't true. Most of you know I wouldn't do that. Uh, I respect your ability to separate your political views from your law work. I wish all lawyers did that. We're on opposing sides of politics, but I respect people I disagree with politically. I wish there was more of that. Um, there was a great film made during the 2016 election. It was made by a liberal lefty Democrat, and he went to the areas that are Trump country in order to prove that the people who are voting for Trump were indeed deplorables and all the things that Hillary Clinton said they were. And he came away respecting them. And he made a film showing that Trump supporters, not all of them, obviously, but many of them are, are just like you and me, that that the difference between somebody who supported Trump and somebody who supported Clinton may be less serious and less great than than any people think they are. I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's it's really, really worth watching. Uh, if Dems uh, no, OK. I think that's it for today. Um, again, I, I want to end this as I began it by wishing condolences to the Starr family, to his wonderful wife, to his children. Um, may you be consoled by the great memories that he left behind and by the great legacy he left behind. I'll miss you, Ken.